Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. If you're looking for a solid and reliable contract that you can feel good about sending to your clients, look no further than the WVS contract, crafted by a licensed attorney in the state of Colorado. It might just be the best contract for wedding videographers in all of North America, or even maybe the world. Uh, hard to know. Regardless, if you're unsure of whether the contract you're using right now is good enough, go to WeddingVideographySchool.com right now, enter the password podcast, and start protecting yourself and your business today. Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. Hope you're having a great week. I know I am, albeit very busy and crazy. I feel like 2020 is just the year of the bull. Uh, I feel like I'm in a rodeo riding a bull. There's so many ups and downs so far. Uh, and it's just been absolutely wild and I feel like I owe you guys a bonus episode at the very least because Adam and I have been having uh, a hard time connecting lately getting together recording etc we've both been uh, you know traveling filming uh, you know taking care of our kids um, and making up for past postponed weddings Um I feel like all my weddings postponed to this week, so uh, we've been uh, we've been really just going crazy with all these weddings and all these things going on. So it's been hard to connect. Um, but that being said, uh, I promised Jason, aka Hudson Filmer, on Instagram a few weeks ago that I would answer uh, one of the questions that he had. Um, that I thought was a really good question. So I'm going to play that for you guys now. My name is Jason, and I am a longtime listener of your podcast, and I am a relatively new wedding videographer. I started last summer, then about five or six uh, second shooter things, and a couple on my own. I was hoping that I'd send you a message to let you know that I would really appreciate it if you would do an episode on your podcast talking to the new wedding videography folks somewhere between a year or under maybe you're just about marketing how to get into the business uh, so much is talked about finding your ideal client and rejecting others and i'm like i need to find someone who will let me shoot their wedding so how to get into the business um, how to market yourself with someone uh, as someone that has very little experience and just all other things related to starting a business. So if you were starting a business today, uh, what are some of the things that you would do? All right, Jason. So that that's a great question, man. And um, I think the best way for me to approach answering this is to basically like tell you what I would do if I was starting my business over again. Let's say I, you know, let's pretend I moved to a different state where I didn't know anybody and um, I basically just had to start over. Uh, the first thing that I would do is I would choose a style. So this might sound odd to some people, but what I've learned from my 10 years of wedding videography experiences, people want to book you for the style that they see on your website, right? So 
Um, you know, if you're a handheld shooter, uh, you're going to attract people that want more of a handheld look. If you're someone who uses a gimbal all the time, uh, or who wants to use a gimbal, you know, people, people who are attracted to that look are going to seek you out and find you. Um, so whatever your style is, like whatever you want that to be, I would say kind of figure out what kind of look you like, what kind of look you want to have and pursue that. Um, that, that would be my first suggestion. And if you don't know what kind of look you like, go out, look at other videographers. It doesn't have to be wedding videographers. It could really be anybody. But go out and find a style that you really like and try to emulate that. So that would be my first piece of advice is start shooting the style that you want. Um, that way you don't have to, you know, like... For example, I'm kind of transitioning into more of an easy rig handheld style. And for so long, almost, I mean, for most of my career, I've basically been shooting on monopod. Um, I've gotten really good with moving the monopod and doing a lot with a monopod, but now I'm moving away from that. And it feels weird to be booking clients who are looking at my past work and knowing that like, Hey, I'm actually going to be shooting this a little bit differently than what you see on my website. So that's, that's like a mental challenge that I'm trying to get over. Um, this fear and worry that my clients or my future clients aren't going to like my new style or something. So if you just kind of start out with a style that you like, uh, that'll make things a little bit easier. Um, second step two: get some gear, Obviously, when I started, I didn't have a whole lot of gear. I had a couple microphones, uh, like lapel microphones, so I could record the officiant and bows um, and toasts. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a lot. I had maybe like a, I think I started with a Canon 7D and then uh, eventually got like a 5D Mark II. Um, and I think I had a glide cam. Uh, in the very beginning in a monopod. So that's kind of what I started with. And it's very easy to just start with a camera. I mean, you could go out and shoot handheld and put together a really awesome montage video that just has music, right? Uh, make sure you license the music. But other than that, like you could really make a lot with a little. So don't let a lack of gear stop you from going out and making something that's within uh, the realm of what you can do with that specific amount of gear that you have. You know, don't don't go out with just a camera and pretend like you're going to shoot, you know, a documentary film with sound bites and all that stuff if you don't have the ability to do it. Um just go out and shoot, you know, some mont essentially like montage, like music videos or whatever um, that just have music in the background and try to make those as emotional as you can uh, with what you got. Um, as far as like finding your first few weddings, I always recommend like the most important thing to get new clients is to just start shooting. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a catch 22, right? Like, well, I want to, I want to start shooting, but I don't have any clients. So how am I going to start shooting if I don't have any clients? Well, there's a lot of people who want their video, their wedding, uh, 
shot on video, but most people feel like they can't afford it. So the easiest way to get over that hurdle is go out and shoot your first few weddings for free or um, do like a pay what you can afford model. So you can go out on Facebook and put out a little ad that says, uh, you know, wedding, wedding videographer, pay what you can afford or something like that. And when people click on it, you explain like, Hey, I'm a new wedding videographer. Um, um, I'm good at what I do, but I don't have any clients right now. And just be honest, just be totally 100% honest and say, hey, you know, I'm going to come shoot your wedding. I'm going to provide you with a five minute highlight video of your whole wedding. And all I want in exchange is for you to pay me what you can afford to pay me. And just go out and shoot that wedding and do a really, really good job. Um, have that client review you when it's all over. Um, I suggest setting up like a Google review page, a Google business page is what it's called. Um, and then people can just review you on there. That seems to be like the most popular place for reviews now. Um, and it helps with your SEO a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, go out and get those clients and don't stress about, you know, I feel like people do this thing all the time where they're like, well, how I got to get, you know, X amount of clients or whatever. And I did that too, like kind of in the beginning, um, a little bit, especially when I made the transition from a regular job to wedding videography as a full-time career, I was kind of like, oh man, I need this amount of clients in order to replace my income, which is fine. I mean, that's a little different to be concerned about it then because I was, like I said, making that transition from a job. So you kind of need to figure out how many weddings you need. But when you're very first starting out, like just really starting out, all you need to do is figure out, you just need to get that next wedding. That's it. Don't think about anything else. Don't worry about what you're going to do next year. Don't worry about six months from now. Just worry about getting the next wedding. Your next step is always just to get the next wedding. And if you look too far down the road, you can become overwhelmed with the thought of, oh, I need to get a website and I need to get all this gear and I need to get, you know, 10 clients in my first six months and I need to get blood. It's like, you just don't even think about that stuff. Don't, it's not, it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your energy. Don't think about that stuff. Uh, if it's something that overwhelms you, if it's something that overwhelms you, just think about getting your next wedding. Um, and so once you have that first wedding, which is really not that difficult to get, all you need to do is shoot it, edit it, and post it. So go shoot the wedding, be very personable, don't talk too much, go do the job that you said you're going to do, edit it within a reasonable amount of time, uh, and then post it, right? Post it on your social media, post it on your website if you have one. If you don't have a website at this point, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, just go out and shoot and edit. That's really the most important thing. And then once you've done that, find your next wedding. If you need to go out and say, hey, pay what you can afford again, fine, great. If you got a lead from the wedding that you shot, maybe a bridesmaid is getting married in you know two months from now, right? That's <laughs> it's very common for brides to have a bunch of bridesmaids who are also getting married um, within the you know the next year or whatever. So once you're done with the first wedding, just find the next wedding and then shoot, edit, and post.
and then once you've done that, find your next wedding. Again, shoot, edit, post. Just rinse and repeat. And don't stress out again about like, oh, I need a website or I need uh, more gear or I need whatever. Like just just shoot and edit. If you can shoot and edit <laughs> and focus on that, you're going to be just fine. Like I don't, I can't tell you where your next weddings are going to come from, but they will, uh, they will, um, what's the word materialize. There you go. That's a word I haven't used lately. Uh, they will materialize, uh, in front of your very eyes. You just, I promise you just need to go out and shoot and edit, shoot and edit. Um, as far as social media goes, uh, you can use uh, different parts of the wedding as individual posts, right? So you might say, well, I shot one wedding, so now I have one post for Instagram or I have one post for Facebook or whatever. No, 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 no. You shot a whole wedding. You shot a bunch of stuff on that wedding day, right? You shot toasts. Maybe you shot um, a first look. Maybe you shot... Um, some bride prep, like edit little videos out of the wedding, that one wedding that you shot and post that stuff. Um, one wedding can turn into like a hundred different posts if you want it to um, send, you know, maybe edit the video. If you only have one video to show, like maybe re-edit the video, like edit it in different ways, or maybe just show bride prep or maybe just show groom prep or maybe just show first look or you know, there's different ways to get get creative with it and just kind of don't be afraid to, you know, reuse that content. Um, it's not a big deal to do that, especially on Instagram in a place where like most people see it in their feed. Most people don't really go visit your profile. Um, so if you're worried about, you know, well, when people come to my Instagram profile, I only have you know, this one wedding to show, it doesn't really matter. Like people are looking at that stuff in their feed. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about posting the same stuff over and over. It's fine. Just find ways to make it kind of new and different, even though it's the same wedding. Um, and again, ask, you know, once you shoot these weddings, make sure you get reviews from your clients on Google. And I think your reviews are going to be pretty positive because generally if people get something at a major discount and they know that you're helping them out, um, they're much more willing to leave you a positive review, right? When you, when you approach somebody and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to make this highlight video for you. Just pay me what you can afford. Um, they know that you're helping them out. And I, I think 99% of people have no problem leaving you a positive review uh, in exchange for that. So uh, next, yeah, I would set up a blog or a website to post some of these videos as you get going. Again, I don't want you to stress out about it in the very beginning. Um, you know, when I first started, I didn't have a website. I probably shot three or four videos before I had a website. And then um, I started like a Tumblr blog. That was my very first website it was just a Tumblr blog with like, a, it was probably like a $15 theme or something that you could buy. Um, and I just installed the theme on the Tumblr blog, which was super easy. And bam, I had like four videos on my website at that point. Um, and 
you know, I would essentially just post the videos in a blog format. Um, so my newest video would be at the top, my oldest would be at the bottom. And, you know, I was so desperate for content back in the day that like, if I created, you know, this was back in the day of DVDs, if I created a DVD menu, I would take a screen capture shot of the DVD menu and make that a post. And I'd say something like, hey, we're finishing up Hillary and Doug's wedding, check out the DVD menu art or something like kind of dorky, but like it gave my website more stuff for people to look like look at i even did like you know this is back in the day of like magic bullet looks when basically color grading was like oh you just slap on a filter or whatever onto the video i would put like a before shot of my video and an after shot like i mean now it's like you see it all the time on like you know on the forums and on instagram people showing you know pre-color graded stuff which i don't know it's kind of like a weird thing to me now like like i did that like 10 years ago and people are now it's for some reason it's super popular for people to show ungraded footage next to graded footage it's like yeah i get it we all kind of get it now like ungraded footage looks like crap and color uh, colored footage looks better. Yeah, we get it, right? But that's what I used to do. I used to make posts like that just to fill in the website to make it look like I was maybe doing a little bit more than I actually was. Um, yeah, so set up a blog or a website and make sure people can contact you through there. Um, provide your email and a good phone number, etc. And you should be good to go. Um, yeah. And I'd say like once you have four or five weddings under your belt and you've got a little website or blog going, go ahead and email some local planners in your area and just say, hey, my name is Michael. I'm a wedding videographer here in town or, you know, the next town over or whatever. Uh, I know that you probably have clients who are looking for video. Uh, if you ever come across someone who you think might be a good fit, uh, you know, here's some of my videos. I would love to work with you and your clients. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a call. Um, and be super responsive if they email you back, because that's going to be a signal to them that you are indeed reliable. If you're one of these people that takes, you know, a week to email somebody back or text somebody back, it's not going to look very good for you. So make sure you're super responsive, uh, especially with planners, because they like uh, people who are responsive and don't nag people like, you know, when I first made the transition from from uh, just kind of shooting weddings on the weekend to like, oh, man, I just quit my job and now it's my full time thing. I was like, well, I better send out an email to some planners. <laughs> so I did. I found like at the time there weren't like a ton of planners for me to send emails to, believe it or not. Um, now there's like a billion <laughs> in Colorado. But at the time there was really only like maybe like 10 or so like planners that really showed up in a Google search. Um, and so I sent an email that was essentially the same email. I personalized it a little bit for each planner. Um, but I basically copied and pasted the same email to 10 planners. And I think maybe one got back in touch with me 
like out of 10, I sent like a really nice email just saying, Hey, you know, you know, basically what I said in a a few minutes ago and maybe one of them, maybe two of them got back to me. I remember it wasn't a very, you know, big response rate. Um, but then I did have planners who, you know, kept that email. And even though they never wrote back to me, you know, maybe like a year later, they got in touch with me with a client or something like that. Um, and really, if you can just get one planner, you, you just never know. Like the first planner I ever really hooked up with one of my clients was using her and, um, she, she got in, like, I went and shot the wedding for these clients. She was there. She saw me work. She saw that I was professional. I was on time. I did what I said I was going to do. And I think in the next like two years, she probably recommended me to like all of her clients who wanted video. And so I might've gotten like 10 clients from her within two years. And I went on to shoot, um, some really big weddings with her later on. And so she was actually like a huge help in getting my business started. And after I started doing really well and making money, I actually went out and bought her um, like a hundred dollar bottle of Don Perignon champagne and brought it to her office. Um, And yeah, it was, it was great. She, she really enjoyed that. She shared it with uh, the other planners that were there and they all like toasted to each other and blah, blah, blah. And it was good. Like it, it, I was, you know, I, I think, it's important to when you get business from planners to make sure that you show them that you appreciate them. Now you don't need to go out and buy a super expensive bottle of champagne or anything, but, um, yeah, for me, it was just like, uh, I want even, it could be even as simple as like walking up to the planner at the end of the night, uh, at the end of the wedding night, you know, right before they have to do their vendor strike and, you know, clean up a bunch of stuff because they're going to be there for probably a couple hours after you leave, (laughs) even at the end of the night and just walk up and say, Hey, you know what? This event turned out really, really well. You should be proud of yourself. That line has worked so well for me, uh, over the past, you know, 10 years or so, just walking up to a planner at the end of the night, not asking for anything, not saying, Hey, I'd love to work with you more. Not, not saying, you know, here's my card, not any of that kind of stuff. Just walking up to them and saying, Hey, it was great working with you. You did a phenomenal job with this event and you should be proud of yourself. (laughs) Like that that for whatever reason that really, I mean, I get it. Like people want to be recognized for their hard work. Um, and that line just seems to really, uh, make planners smile and feel really good about themselves. So, um, you know, obviously don't say it if you don't mean it, but that's just kind of a a tip for dealing with planners. Um, let's see here. I would say, you know, eventually you need to start charging a set price. 
um, you know, for me in the very beginning, it was like a thousand bucks. It was my first big set price. And it was like, wow, I, I can charge a thousand dollars. Like that was a big deal to me. And the reason why that was a big deal to me, even though it doesn't sound like a lot now is, you know, when I was working for, when I was working in TV news and I had this full-time job that I was kind of getting sick of, I was like, well, what, like, if I want to make a, like at the time I had low expectations, I was like, how could I just replace my income? You know, I was making like $35,000 a year and I was like, wow, if I could find something where I could charge 40 people in one year, $1,000 each, I could replace my income and work for myself. And so at the time I was like, what if I shot like <laughs> 40 weddings a year and charged a thousand dollars or something. And I was like, well, that's a lot of weddings. I don't know if I could do 40, but maybe I could. What if I could get to the point where I could charge $2,000 a year and shoot 20 weddings and then I could replace my income and work for myself. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. So my first set price was a thousand dollars and that worked out well for me for the first year. And then eventually I went up to 1500 and I don't know. Like I like raising my price in increments of 500 bucks. Like that's always worked pretty well for me. Eventually you kind of hit a cap where, you know, you're never really going to be able to charge like $150,000 for a wedding, right? It's not like you're just going to keep going up $500 every year. And, you know, <laughs> like, oh, hey, I charge, you know, $35,000 for a wedding now. It's like, no, that doesn't really exist. Or, or if it does, I don't, I've never really heard of it, but, um, yeah, I decide on a price when, especially when you're first starting out, don't expect to get three, $5,000 or anything like that. Just, you know, go in say, Hey, I shoot a wedding for 1500 bucks. And then once you're doing really well with that, like raise your price to 2000, raise it to 2,500, raise it to 3000 or whatever. Um, but you know, don't go too fast. Like sometimes if you go too fast, your wedding bookings will just drop off. Um, and it's also easy to get like really confident and think that like, oh, I'm really good. So I'm just going to charge what everybody else is charging, even though I have way less experience, um, that can end up biting you too. So, you know, as you go, you know, charge what you want to charge, but like, don't, don't go too fast. Um, let's see here. We're getting towards the end of things I would do. Uh, if I was starting over, um, I would say as you, let's see, we talked about price. That's pretty much it. I mean, I, I really think the most important step is to get your first wedding, shoot it, edit, and make the client happy and then rinse and repeat. There really are no shortcuts. Um, I was talking to another guy, uh, last week, kind of about the same kind of stuff, which is, you know, there's no shortcut to just going out and doing the work. Find that next wedding, shoot it, edit it, post it. Find the next wedding, shoot it, edit it, and post it. I mean, I wish I could say there was some sort of magic secret or some sort of special thing you could do to just make this super easy, but that's it. I mean, really just focus on all I have. Like, just tell yourself when you wake up, all I have to do is find my next wedding. That's it. 
all I have to do is find someone who's willing to let me shoot the wedding. And the great thing about filming weddings is that the advertisement, and I guess I get asked about marketing all the time, right? So many people get caught up in marketing and like, oh, I've got to get business cards and I've got to, I've got to start making Facebook ads and I've got to get a marketing plan in place. It's like, no, you don't. (laughs) That is the biggest, that is the biggest distraction and waste of time when you're first starting out. I would not waste my time at all with any sort of marketing or advertising strategy. I just wouldn't do it. That's, that's reserved for people who are looking for those 5,000 plus dollar clients. Like if you're charging less than $5,000, you do not need to spend money on marketing. Yes, you will need a website. Yes, you will need like an Instagram or some sort of social media profile. But that's about it. Like you really don't need to go out and spend money on marketing. People view marketing and advertising as a shortcut. And I think in the beginning, it's not really a shortcut. It's more of a distraction. So all you need to think about and just remind yourself of this is I just need to find somebody who's willing to let me shoot their wedding. Um, and that's it. Like the referrals, the word of mouth, all that stuff is going to come as you keep going and you you keep shooting and as you keep editing and as you keep posting those, those referrals and word of mouth is just going to start going. And eventually you, you'll get to the place where you're getting like, I got like, I don't know. I probably got like 10 emails this week, 10 inquiries this week. I didn't do any advertising. I didn't do any marketing. I didn't pay wedding wire or the not for an account. None of that stuff. And yes, I've been around for a while, but honestly, it only took me a couple of years to get to that point. Because once people see the work that you're doing, and once planners start to understand that you're a reliable, professional person that they can refer to their clients, I mean, you pretty much just start a train that's kind of hard to stop (laughs) after a while. So just be persistent, be consistent, do what you say you're going to do, and find that next wedding. Um, so yeah, that's that's my advice for what I would do if I was just starting out. Hopefully that answers all of your questions, Jason, and hopefully it answers a lot of other people's questions out there as well. Uh, trying to think. That's <laughs> I just that was a long, long monologue. You know I got I don't really like those monologues, guys, but hopefully you got something out of it and uh Until next time, later. Hey guys, this episode of Wedding Videography School is brought to you by photographers wearing wide brim hats. Uh, Photographers wearing wide brim hats is the nation's number one wedding photography company. And for good reason. Uh, They are clearly the most creative most unique uh, individuals out there and their photography is so creative I can't even begin to describe how creative it is that's how creative it is if you guys are working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats then you're probably not working with the best photographers out there so 
Um, you know, whether you're having a wedding, a birthday party, uh, or you're taking your kids to school, or you're hanging out at home, or going to the bathroom, you know, all things that you want photographed creatively, um, it should be done by photographers wearing wide brim hats. A lot of you guys, I know you're working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats. They might not be wearing hats at all. And um, that's a problem. If they're not wearing a wide brim hat, I don't know what the point of them even picking up a camera is. But when you work with photographers wearing wide brim hats, you know that you're always getting someone who's going to uh, give you the most incredible shots that you could imagine. So for your next event, whether it's a wedding, a birthday party, a family reunion, uh, your mom's pap smear, whatever the event, make sure that you hire photographers wearing wide brim hats um, to get the most creative still images captured, you know, one frame at a time. And that's what, that's what photography is. It's, you know, you hear the click, click, and you know you got one frame. And then you hear another click. Sometimes you hear eight clicks in a row, like click, 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 click. Uh, that, they just got eight pictures. And maybe one of them is good. Probably not. But the photographer wearing a wide brim hat, they are going to call those photos later on and, you know, really, really select the eight or six shots that they got from the entire day um, that they stood in front of the videographer to get. And they're going to they're going to edit those down into something truly magical, probably um, probably just two eight by tens that you can put in the living room next to the closet door. So give photographers with wide brim hats a call today and book them for your next event.